Welcome, welcome, welcome into a Monday edition of Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan in 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney. He returns today back to full strength here on the show. Thanks for being with us. Coming up today on the show, the Colts felt like a missed opportunity. You can blame officiating. I think there's one other key play, though, that really, really gave this game away. We'll get to that in a bit after headlines. Plus, IU freshman Mackenzie Mbako arrested, charged with two misdemeanors. We'll dive into some of the details on the story. And for everyone wanting to jump right in, jump to conclusions, let's let the case play out a little bit, at least. Uh, also, Caleb Williams, has he been exposed these last two weeks? The reigning Heisman Trophy winner, all the taco, guaranteed number one pick, generational talent. Well, we're seeing some things this year that... We didn't see last year, and we're seeing some of the same things this year that aren't working, and there's a lot behind those numbers. Uh, we'll get into that later this hour, uh, plus a fight between two D3 schools. Ugh. Local. Yeah. Local, too. Yeah, pr- pretty bad. Uh, what could have been? So we'll get to this in hour number two. The Colts are who the record says they are, right? To uh, to quote yep. Dennis Green, the late great Dennis Green. And we're seeing so many what could have been. So we'll get into the season and the way things are going. Plus, Tom Allen is really, really bad at this. Something he said after the loss of Rutgers. It just... I I don't know how much longer the IU administration can put up with this. It's almost like... I like, mean, it's, it's comic. It's been comedic for a while. Almost like he's, like, doing it on purpose. Right? Just to look it, even it, more inept. The the comments that he had after this game, um, basically, I, I would say, make it look that way. Also, so Michigan, they rolled their rival Michigan State, who had uh, no points in this one, blown out. Uh, another another big, big win for the Wolverines. But is anything going to happen this season? Now, you know the NCAA won't do anything. They're too slow. Well, will the Big Ten do something about this? What's to come with Michigan and the sign-stealing and in-person scouting scandal? We'll get to that. And also, before we leave you today on a Monday, a Bear Cub just wanted to go shopping. We'll explain what happened all there. Right. So that's that's all to come on the show today. Uh, big money, a lot, of, uh, a lot of football to get to here. As always, you can text us on the text line 46862. Is how you reach us. Just type in CK first in your question, your comment, your rant. Uh, send them our way. Don't forget, you can also stream us 1380thefan.com on the free 1380thefan app or on your smart speaker. So let's dive right in. Headlines this morning. And of course, we start in the NFL over the weekend. And you have the Phillies take care of the Dolphins 31 17. Phillies. Oh, wow. Your the Phillies? Eagles. Wow. 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 <laughs> what are we talking about here? <laughs> the Eagles take care of the Dolphins. But I would think the Phillies could also, the way they're playing right now, take yeah. care of the, the Dolphins. So the Eagles get the win on Sunday night football. Uh, just all around. Between the Eagles, the Niners, and Kansas City, it seems like those three teams have separated themselves from the rest so far this season. At least so far. Um, I would agree at this point. So a big win last night. It was a very marquee win, but uh, Jalen Hurts outduels Tua Tagovailoa. Jalen Hurts, 279 yards, two touchdowns, and uh, A.J. Brown was huge last night um, with a couple touchdowns, or one touchdown, 
and um, it's a good win for Philly in a battle of really, really good teams. I, I'm not uh, discounting Miami whatsoever after last night's win. Tough to go on the road of Philly Sunday night football, but uh, Eagles get the dub last night. Meanwhile, Bill Belichick quietly signed a contract extension uh, this past offseason, a lucrative multi-year contract, and that adds some discussion as far as his staying power in New England, and the Patriots get a big win yesterday. They come back and beat the Bills late as Mac Jones has a solid performance, and the Pats get the win at home over the Bills. This is a, a... Huge win for a team that was staring down one and six. And after the Buffalo took the lead, I thought, okay, that's it. But give Mm -hmm. credit to Mac Jones. Played arguably the best game of his career. 25 of 30, 272 yards, two touchdowns. And congratulations to the Patriots. Much needed dub as Bill Belichick gets win number 300. The third coach all time to reach that mark. Meanwhile, Tyson Batchett gets his first start for the Chicago Bears. The former Division II star plays fairly well. Uh, limits his turnovers. That's the key thing. And the Bears get a dominant 30-12 to win over the Raiders. It was a very dumbed-down offensive attack for Chicago. I, I think Tyson Badgett threw it downfield maybe once the entire game. But... The Raiders couldn't stop the run, gave up 173 yards rushing, and Badgett did what he needed to do and took what the Raiders were giving him and had a lot of checkdowns, a lot of short throws. The defense was solid. Brian Hoyer's terrible, and the Bears were able to get win number two yesterday. The Chiefs roll over the Chargers. Mahomes, 424 yards, four touchdowns, only one pick. Travis Kelsey, a huge game, 12 catches, 179 yards in a touchdown in the win. So the Chiefs uh, continue to roll as well. You had Denver dropping Green Bay. The Packers, uh, Packers, remember that start? I mean, what, 2-0? and And then now they've just completely Everybody fallen apart. Everybody thought uh, that Jalen Love or Jordan Love was going to be the guy, and he has not looked good since. And the Packers in general haven't looked good with four straight losses. And feel like it's it's pretty rock bottom going to Denver and losing for how bad this Denver team is. Jordan Love, 180 yards, two touchdowns, but also threw an interception and could only score, what, scoreless at halftime. This game was 9-0 at halftime with three field goals, riveting. Um, Packers couldn't get it done on the road. All of a sudden, they're 2-4, and four, already had their bye week. I think they're coming off the bye, and were beaten at Denver. And the Steelers surprised the Rams. That one, I think, also a bit surprising in terms of results yesterday. Yeah, a little bit. Um, uh, Najee Harris with uh, a touchdown run. It was three rushing touchdowns for Pittsburgh being able to go out west and get that win over the Rams. So the Steelers now sitting at 4-2. and two. So we're talking about a surprising 4-2. and two. I would say the Steelers. I mean, George Pickens... Another big game yesterday. Kenny Pickett finding himself once again. Congratulations to Pittsburgh, 4-2. and two. So Pittsburgh off to a, a surprising uh, good start. Uh, meanwhile, in Major League Baseball, the Texas Rangers get a 9-2 win uh, to force Game 7. In uh, So they force Game 7, uh, getting the win 
in Houston. So a, a big win for the Rangers sets up game seven in baseball. Uh, Max Scherzer set to pitch. So this is going to be very exciting. I'm looking forward to this already. So you have it tonight. Uh, Rangers Astros is gay is the second game tonight at eight o'clock as the Diamondbacks Phillies will play at a little after five o'clock. And that's game five as the Phillies look to close that series out over the D-back. So you'll have uh, back-to-back baseball, first game on TBS, second game on Fox and FS1. So you're going to get a, a lot of baseball tonight and, of course, Monday Night Football. And you look up the matchup and not much to be excited After about. last night's game, it's a little anticlimactic yeah. tonight with Monday Night Football. So yeah. Niners Vikings. Eh. I mean, you get maybe to see Christian McCaffrey. He's still questionable. Yeah. That's what I heard. But uh, yeah, plenty of baseball tonight. Game six at five and then game seven of the ALCS following that about eight o'clock. Meanwhile, uh, several other headlines. We mentioned IU freshman McKenzie and Baco arrested uh, facing two misdemeanor charges, resisting law enforcement and criminal trespass. We'll get more into that in uh, later on this hour on the show. Uh, meanwhile, the Hoosiers did not get their top point guard target in recruiting. Uh, five-star guard Boogie Flan chose Kentucky over Indiana and Alabama. So as things were trending positively, it seemed, and then Friday morning, it, the conversation had shifted, so Boogie Flan off to Kentucky. Probably won't even have the, the chance to play against IU. He'll probably already be in the NBA. Probably, yeah. It, it, the momentum felt like it was going Indiana's way when Boogie Flan, especially after Landon McNeely, but you can't have them all, Caleb. Can't have them all. No. No, you can't. And and that's really the, the biggest thing to me is you, you, you're in the conversation if you're Mike Woodson and you're a finalist. It's not like you were trying and they cut you out in their top eight or whatever these recruits are doing these days. It's, it's tough when you go all the way down to the wire and then yeah. miss out on them. But, uh, meanwhile, uh, the Gavit games not going to be played during the 24-25 season. That's between the Big East and the Big Ten, according to a report. And the future of the event is doubtful. Really? Disappointing. Hmm. I always like those... Cross-conference? Div- cross yeah, yeah, I always like those matchups. Uh, the Comets... Opened up the season, mixed bag. They get the win on the road on Friday night and then on Saturday night in front of a sellout crowd for the home opener. Ugh. Slow start. They fall 3-1. Not a good start for the K's uh, over the weekend. Both sure. games against the Fuel. Uh, you, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same, I guess, is, is how in I terms They get a 4-1 early- yeah. yeah, early, early struggles. They get a 4-1 win on Friday night, both games again against the Fuel. So they start strong on the road, but a slow start at home. Hopefully this is not a trend. Well, and that was the big thing last year with this team is the inability to play well at home. And they were flat on Saturday. And that's unfortunate. But just one game. Hopefully the case can bounce back, but you do feel like that was just more the same with the Comets coming out this year based on last year not being very good at the Coliseum. Yeah. So that's a look at uh, some of the headlines this morning. Also, a shout out to Homestead High School Tennis. Alex Graber, Eric G. of Homestead 
Uh, rallied from a 5-3 deficit. Survived a match point, won 10 of the next 11 points. They're the IHSAA Boys Doubles uh, State Champions. Beat Columbus North, 5-7-6-4-7-5. Impressive. So congrats to them on the win. 4-6-8-6-2, your text line number. Again, 4-6-8-6-2. And we already have some text rolling in about the Colts. We'll get to that. Um, But overall, not the game I think anyone would have expected between Indy and Cleveland. Offensive explosion. The Browns get the one-point win. You could rue missed opportunities for the Colts. Um, both teams turned the ball over. And I think everyone wants to focus on the two late penalties on Daryl Baker, Baker Jr. Uh, the first one, the the illegal contact. I, I thought it was iffy, but I, I get the call. Well, The, the second uh, one, though, the, the defensive pass interference, I mean, the ball was uncatchable. I mean, it was closer to going in the stands than yeah. it was being able to be caught. But here, here's the thing. The the thing that really stuck out to me on that final drive for the Browns was converting that third and ten. I mean, that that's really what did the Colts in in this game. That third and ten pass play is the one that sealed it. Uh, where they went for 30 yards uh, to Elijah Moore. I mean, that that's the play. The Colts had all the momentum. You get the stop there. That's, you know, you force a fourth and 10. The Colts are feeling pretty good. But that's the play to me that really changed the game. Right. I Well, I mean, there were so many ebbs and flows to this game. And it felt like whoever had the ball last was going to win this game. And the Browns were able to at least have the, the substantial amount of time at the end to be able to put a drive together. And I thought I thought the the Colts did a really good job for the majority of the game on third and fourth downs, except for the final drive of the game. You mentioned that third and 10. Of course, them scoring on fourth down to win, effectively. And that's really what hurt the Indianapolis Colts. And yes, the, the penalties, you could go either way. I, I understand but it's over the course of the game where you're not able to execute that puts yourself in those positions. And and that's kind of what the Colts said yesterday and and Jonathan Taylor even after the game um, and said, quote, the best thing you can do is not let the refs get involved in the game. What that means is you can't um, you can't be in a situation where those things impact you down the stretch. And the Colts did a very good job against the vaunted Cleveland Browns defense. They were still effective. Block field goal, right? The uh, the strip sack touchdown in the end zone as well. But credit to the Indianapolis Colts. They were able to do a lot against that defense. Gardner Minshew, you got the best and worst of Gardner Minshew yesterday. Threw for over 300 yards, two touchdowns, threw a pick. Of course, the strip sack fumble for a touchdown as well. Uh, ran for a couple touchdowns as well. And you saw why he's a good backup quarterback in the NFL. But you also saw why he's not a starter in the NFL as well. So a lot of different things out of this game, but missed opportunities for the Indianapolis Colts. They came back and bit them in the closing seconds. And and for the Colts, I mean, you, you can you can get to the penalties. And again, I just I don't like blaming losses on penalties, even because there's so many other plays, and I don't think you can say that, oh, this one play changed the game. Here's the thing. The Colts still had an opportunity after those penalties to get a stop. They didn't get a stop. 
Yeah. So that's, I mean, they got three straight stops at the one, yeah. and then couldn't get the stop yeah. at the one, in the on fourth down. I thought the illegal contact call was the right call. Yes, I agree. I don't think the interference call was the right call. But like you said, opportunities on that drive to get stops, and the Colts didn't. And the other thing for the Colts, once again, you have injury in the secondary as Juju Juju Brents goes down with an injury and he had a quad injury. I don't believe he returned in the game. And the, the, the Colts, so thin in the secondary. Daryl Baker Jr. comes on. He struggled. Look, he is a guy that's getting a lot of playing time, unfortunately for him, as a rookie. Probably not helping his case for playing time in the future once the Colts get more depth. And well, That's tough just, as a rookie. I mean, yeah, it's, it's tough there. as it is. And the Colts are so thin in that position group. It, in trading way, and we've talked about this trading away Stephon Gilmore for nothing so he could play for a contender. I mean, it was, I thought it was weird at the time, and people just kind of said, Oh, yeah, yeah, we get it. They're doing him a favor. Like, and I'm like, Why would you give away a lockdown corner for like what a fifth round pick for basically nothing? Especially I, when your weakness is in the secondary. Yeah, I this goes to show that whole thing. I mean, I feel like people just gave the Colts a pass on that move and I don't get it. And and it is playing out and it's hurting the Colts this season. Also other things that I think were notable, the, the 60 yard field goal blocked late in the first half. I mean, just a lack of aggressiveness by the Colts. You lose yards before the field goal. You have a pass play that gets busted up and, and it's a five yard longer attempt. Browns block it, use it, take advantage so there's just like a lot of things that the Colts did not do well. They're 0-4 when they lose the turnover battle, 3-0 when they win it. That's that's how the NFL works. It comes works. down to that, and Gardner Minshew turned it over four times. So once again, we continue to see Gardner Minshew turn the ball over. Uh, as far as positives, Josh Downs, I think, has emerged as that slot guy, replacing Paris Campbell. I think the Colts signed Isaiah McKenzie to be that guy. He got hurt. Downs is, is taken over in that position group. And then you can't talk about this game without talking about Miles Garrett. Two sacks, two forced fumbles, a block field goal. Just dominant. Dominant defensively. Not that that's a surprise. Maniac with Miles Garrett. But you look at the Indianapolis Colts, 456 yards of total offense yeah, against it, this vaunted Cleveland Browns defense. I mean, they did what they needed to do to win. They averaged almost seven yards a play. But what killed them? Four turnovers. And that was the story of this game. You can talk about the late penalties, but if the Colts don't turn the ball over four times, they only turn the ball over two times, they win this game. So you cannot turn the ball over. And the Colts just did it way too much yesterday. Let alone, I didn't even talk about the fact that Deshaun Watson got hurt early on in this one, did not return. And you let P.J. Walker beat you. That's the big thing. I mean... We talked about that final drive and what could have been. Like You still let P.J. Walker make play, especially at third and 10, and be able to convert it. P.J. Walker is not a good quarterback at all. And like you let him come in and, uh, and get the win. Or, by the way, did you know that the roof opens at Lucas Oil Stadium? Yes. I was shocked <laughs> that that thing opened. Never seen that before. We make jokes about this weekly. About the roof. And if it's going to be open, like that is like the highlight of 
<laughs> I think our weeks. Is. I will say um, there are very few uh, shots if, in the NFL, uh, pictures and video that are as beautiful as Lucas Oil when everything's open. When the top is open, when the when the windows are open, and you have sunshine in there, and 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 the banners and all that stuff, like it's a pretty damn cool setting. It's just you don't see it very often. No, you you have the retractable roof and you hardly use it, which is just I don't understand. But it was open yesterday. They've done a better job this year. I think people were complaining it was cold. Was it last week or two weeks ago? Uh, one of the the recent games. I guess it would have been two weeks ago against the Titans. Um, <laughs> the, the real notable thing, a baby was born at Lucas Oil Stadium yesterday. Yes, that was the big news. A Lucas relative of uh, David Bell, who plays for the Browns, former Purdue star, former Warren Central star in Indianapolis. Uh, I, I believe, what, uh, in, like a cousin or a sister? Um, I do believe so. Um, yeah, cousin. So she related that, somehow. Yes. Said. Some relation. I, either way, that baby should get season tickets uh-huh. and should get to decide at least one game a year. If the roof is, you know, the roof going to be open. Now, here's the thing, though. Her, her due date was the 26th. What are you doing going to a football game <laughs> on October 23rd? Four days before your due date. Uh, the Bell's mother. Kareem Butler said the baby wasn't due for another four days. Like once you're within like a month, you're close. Like it could happen at any time. Um, but, uh, apparently she was walking across the street um, and her went into labor, got her to first aid. By the time they got her back to first aid, uh, it was pretty obvious they weren't going to be able to get her to a hospital. So yeah, delivery uh, at Lucas Oil Stadium yesterday. Yeah, so that's that's a first. That has confirmed the first baby delivery at Lucas Oil Stadium. All right, coming up on the other side, IU freshman McKenzie Mbako arrested. What to make of this now? What does it mean? What doesn't it mean? That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney. Private Eyes. Yeah, we're pretty much like the Hall & Oates of 1380. <laughs> yeah. I think so. I think it's fair to say. Uh, I I I don't think so. Why? We don't really have like a hollow notes like it. <laughs> like hollow well, notes, versatile, talented. Well, yeah, I mean talent. Do no, no, there's no talent here. <laughs> That's whatsoever. where you lost me. I mean versatile, maybe, but yeah. I mean we don't. Neither of us have permed hair. No, also true. And neither of us have a mustache. I mean, we have we have facial hair, but not just a mustache. So we we could have a mustache if we desire. We could. I don't know if we could have as good a, a mustache. Oh no, I I don't think so. I don't John think Oates. we could get on that level. No, we could pull one off, but it'd be haggard looking, probably. But all right, and maybe we're not the Hall of Notes of thirteen eighty. <laughs> Just a thought. All right, whatever. Four six eight six two. Your text line number again. Four six eight six two. Just type in CK. Then your message. All right. IU freshman McKenzie Mbako arrested over the weekend, arrested early Sunday morning at a Bloomington Taco Bell. He's facing charges of resisting law enforcement and criminal trespass. Again, two misdemeanor charges. I was booked into the Monroe County Jail 316 a.m. 
on Sunday. It's always, always a good never time a to good be, time to be out. Yeah, right. right. Uh, police were called at uh, two fifteen, according to the initial press release uh, that was put out. But here's something interesting that I discovered. Apparently, the Taco Bell in question listed closing time is three a.m. Okay. He was booked at three sixteen. So when he arrived at the drive-thru well before then, according to their listed closing time. Now, he was accused of cursing and being rude to employees in the drive-thru. It's not helping your case. And then the part I don't understand about the story, which is completely on him, is that so police were called. They asked him to pull into a parking spot and then say, said basically, hey, you need to leave, according to police. And then... He didn't leave, pulled into a different parking spot, <laughs> it refused to leave, and then police had to break a window and then pull him from the vehicle. Like, And that's the thing. That's like, the part where you lose me. Okay, that, that's the thing. Like, Mackenzie and Baco, we've all been hungry at 2, 3 in the morning. I get it. Sometimes inebriated, sometimes not. Pull into Taco Bell. They tell you you're closed. You're upset. Okay, I get that up to that point. But then his behavior is unacceptable. Okay. And I know some people will say, well, it's not a big, that big of a deal. Okay, it is a big deal when you're refusing authority, okay? And I'm not going to get it in the whole um, respect police and all that stuff. But basically, the police told you to get out of your car. Well, told you to leave first, and you didn't leave. Like, like Just this, leave. Yeah, just leave. That's what I don't understand in this entire story. Just go home. Like, okay, being rude to fast food workers, completely unnecessary. Not an arrestable offense. Then... When police say, hey, you need to leave, get out of the drive through, pull into a parking spot. They ask you to leave. You don't leave. That's where I'm just dumbfounded by his action. It wasn't like the cops showed up and he was immediately arrested. The cops showed up and said, leave. And he didn't leave. And then when they said, get out of your car, he didn't get out of his car. He's the one who escalated this situation, not the cops. And I that's what I have a problem with is if he's not respecting authority, I guess, then what makes you think he's going to respect authority at Indiana? If he's just, is he just not going to listen to anybody? Is he just going to do whatever he wants? Because it sounds like that's what he did at Taco Bell over the weekend. There are worse things. Okay. But the fact of the matter is it wasn't as if the police showed up and immediately put him in cuffs. They gave him an out. Several outs. And he didn't take it. And that's why he was arrested. Ultimately, though, like, we're not talking a a super serious situation here with this arrest. Like, we're not talking drunk driving or or something like that. Like, do I think he should miss some games? Yes. But a game or two, like, we're not talking. It it wasn't a violent crime. He wasn't putting anyone in danger. Right. He's he, he was just being an idiot. And that's the biggest thing is just, just go home. I don't understand. You know, the saying is like, you know, nothing good happens after midnight or whatever, like is the saying, but like college kids, everything fun to them happens after midnight. That's just how that works. And this situation just, again, the multiple outs, as you said, could have been avoided. (sighs) I, I don't know. It, I'll be curious 
for more information to continue to come out on this because it just it feels like things are missing here still with the information we have. Maybe he was like, just it just doesn't ups- make sense. Maybe he was just upset with Tom Allen's latest comments on the quarterback situation. Didn't <laughs> he was just fed up. No, but real. I mean, this is a conversation Mike Woodson needs to have, and it's a teaching moment to say, look, you respect authority. You do what you're supposed to do. And this can't happen. My thought is if he's a loose cannon off campus, out of the program, then what makes you think he can fit the system and follow the, the and toe the line with Indiana? Remember, this is a guy that underperformed in his first year. Where was it? Oregon? Huh? No, that's Kalel Ware. Oh, sorry. Kalel Ware? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this guy's the freshman who was committed to Duke, and then when oh, Kyle Filipowski came right. back, so uh, here's he, the, he reopened his recruitment. I mean, here's the thing. is 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 And it goes along with the same, with the same things. is by, by being a highly ranked recruit, highly rated mm-hmm. recruit, and being able to get basically people fawning all over you when you're in high school and entering college is you become entitled sometimes. And maybe maybe Mackenzie Mbako feels entitled. And he got a lesson in that on Saturday night. Now, anyone wanting to say, oh, Mike Woodson has a has a problem with the IU program. You have the Xavier Johnson arrest um over a year ago. I mean, the answer eh, to that I is mean, no. No, I'm not going down that road. But I mean, a couple of texts coming in. Yeah, he's obviously been pampered all his life and it shows. I mean, that's what I'm saying. He's he's a five star recruit four-star or whatever, but he's been, I've seen it time and again with recruits around here that are just, they're allowed to do anything. They can say anything, do anything, get away with anything. And that goes into the pampering for sure. CK, I think the Mbako situation is completely overblown, but my biggest question is where were his teammates? That was kind of my thought too. Don't you roll with your teammates all the time? I mean, especially at one, two, three in the morning, shouldn't you have somebody with you? Unless he's, you know, coming home from a party, I guess. And decided to roll through a Taco Bell first. I don't know, but well, and the the weird part is he he is apparently <laughs> alone in the car. Like they're hey man, I, I haven't seen anyone else mentioned laying in your 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 dorm room, I guess, and you get hungry at two thirty in the morning. I don't know. It's just, just it's all odd. really bizarre. Again, I I think there's still some more details to emerge. But if if this is all that it is, and Mbako just refused, like it's completely on him. I I don't understand the move, but again, I'm sure we'll get more information that will come out about this maybe as soon as today and get some clarity on, on some of these questions. Because right now, I, I feel like I have more questions than answers based on what we know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, this is weird. I mean, officers told him to leave the property. He goes to leave and then puts it in reverse and parks again at the, in a space at the restaurant. And then officers continued to tell Mbako to leave for the next 15 minutes, the report states, resulting in his preliminary trespassing charge. 15 minutes. The officers were like, can you leave? And he was like, no. And then he wouldn't get out of his car. They had to break the window with a baton. Like, so some people are saying this is overblown. Like, it's overblown because Mbako made it. He was the one who was made rude to issue. the employees in the first place. Who? Yeah, so, <laughs> I mean... Is it getting a lot of attention that otherwise it shouldn't? Maybe. But why it escalated is because of Mbako. Yes. 
he, so, he made the situation a situation. It it was a nothing. You you just leave. They're not going to serve you. You just leave. I think the big thing is you're dealing with 18, 19 year olds that, like the texter said, have been pampered all their lives, or at least all of their teenage lives. Told how great they are, all this and that, and they feel like they're owed something. And I think part of that was in Mbako's mind. But I would imagine a meeting already has happened with Mike Woodson. After all the excitement and all that from Friday with Hoosier Hysteria, he's got to get woken up in the, in the morning. Because this was what, Sunday morning? Yeah. So he's got to be woken up. Yes. He's got to be woken up early Sunday morning to this. So. I guess goes with the territory being a college coach. Bizarre situation. And again, completely avoidable coming up on the other side. Have we seen the potential number one NFL draft pick next spring be exposed over the last two weeks? That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380, the fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380, the fan 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney, a text rolling in. CK, sounds like Mbaka was on something. That's odd behavior. More to come on this. Exactly. I'm just, I'm not taking this at And he wasn't booked for anything alcohol related. Yeah, well, yeah, right? Doesn't mean something else. I don't know. You would think there would be, you know, if alcohol was involved, you would think they would have reported that, right? Um... Yes. Yeah, it'd be part of it, particularly because he's underage. So that's yeah, that's that's the other part. It just this whole thing is very bizarre to me. Bizarre behavior by Mackenzie and Bucko. Four six eight six two. You can send us your texts on the text line at four six eight six two. So we have granted it's just a two game sample size, but it should be alarm bells for NFL scouts and NFL teams who have hyped up Caleb Williams. I've heard people say things, and and I don't buy this. I never bought this before the last two weeks. People are saying, oh, he's the best uh, quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. No, absolutely not. You had Trevor Lawrence just a a couple of years ago. Um, Caleb Williams is a, a really good player. He's talented. Don't get me wrong. But you look at the numbers and what he's done. So USC lost to Utah on Saturday night at the Coliseum at home. So... In exciting fashion, by the way. Yes. Uh, so exciting. So I was watching this game. So I, I was away for the weekend for my anniversary and in the hotel room. And I think I fell asleep before the final field goal attempt. <laughs> I, I did go to bed right after. I the, I, the, this I game, fell asleep. But... And then I woke up probably about 20, 30 minutes later and then realized what had happened. Got ready for bed and went to bed. So if we look at it, Caleb Williams is the... The unanimous number one pick in every mock draft right now across the country. Yet this stat was telling when they put this up on the screen during the game is and it's titled struggles against the best. So it's it's Caleb Williams against top 25 total defenses. And this isn't just the last two weeks with Utah and Notre Dame. And this actually doesn't include the Utah game on Saturday night. So 23 starts for Caleb Williams against teams that are non-top top 25 defenses, okay? 70% completion percentage, 317 yards per game. His TD to interception rate, 78 to 7, okay? Very, very, very good, okay? Okay, number one pick, yep, I'm buying. 
Starts against top 25 defenses. And again, this is not including the Utah game on Saturday when he was 24 of 34 for 256 yards. He has a completion percentage of 51%, 172 yards per game, six touchdowns, six interceptions. That's mediocre at best. And in watching Caleb Williams over the last two weeks and being a Bears fan and seeing a lot of talk about him going to the Bears, the Bears have one of the number one picks or one of their picks is the number one. I see a lot of similarities between Caleb Williams and Justin Fields. A guy that when he's given a lot of time in the pocket, which he is at USC, he can pick you apart. He can get outside the pocket and run and outrun defensive linemen and linebackers that you're not going to be able to do in the NFL. And I look at this year's quarterback crop and what we've seen from Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud, and even Bryce Young, the struggles that he's had. My thinking is I would rather have any of those three over Caleb Williams. And then you factor in the fact that Caleb Williams, or at least his dad, wants to impact where he goes. There's discussion about Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams being a package deal. And I'm going, what is constituting this belief that Caleb Williams is in a position to call shots like this? Because against truly good defenses, and we're not even talking like top five in the country. We're talking... Top twenty five. That's what, like one fifth, uh, one one yeah, sixth, one one fifth. I believe. I mean, there are one hundred thirty three teams, so, so one fifth ish. Yeah, one fifth of college football he struggles against, and he's going to come into the NFL and be this bona fide number one pick, this generational talent that people want to say he is. I'm not seeing it. I don't see it at all. So he's four and seven against ranked teams now after the loss to Utah, which eh, whatever, you know, that's that's that to me is not that big of a deal. USC's out of playoff contention. His stats the last two weeks. So Notre Dame in Utah, 47 to 71, 66 percent. Not bad. 455 passing yards. Okay. Two total touchdowns, four total turnovers, three picks and a fumble. Uh, then then you get into the fact that he doesn't have his safety blanket this year that he had last year in Jordan Addison. Blitnikoff winner from Pitt, then transferred to USC, played with Caleb Williams last year. How much is this is the fact that USC doesn't have that legit number one receiver? I know a lot of talk about Zachariah Branch, but he's a freshman, and he's missed a couple of times, and he's not a game-breaker in the passing game. So Caleb Williams, to be clear, does not have the same level of targets to throw to this year compared to last year. I don't think anyone's questioning that. But the real problem is he's holding the ball for so long on so many plays. But you're not going to be able to do in the NFL. Exactly. You can get away with that in college, playing Washington State in in teams like that. You cannot get away with that in the NFL. Like, that's just not going to work. And, and the scary part for USC is, so they were undefeated leading up to the Notre Dame game, got destroyed, then they lose at home to Utah, who's also ranked. And they still have several ranked teams on the docket. In fact, three of their last four games against ranked teams. You have Washington at Oregon and UCLA as three of their last four games. All three of those teams ranked. All three of those teams, especially UCLA, has a very good defense this year, which I think has been a bit of a surprise. So, Ian, you throw in that. <laughs> this is just, I don't know. This is 
kind of a joke, but the USC players were not made available to the media after the loss on Saturday night. Like what? Aww. Like why? Like, come on. Are, are we this soft here? Yeah. Lincoln Riley's a baby. He was complaining that entire game about substitutions because he would make an offensive substitution mm-hmm. and then you have to allow Correct. defensive substitutions. And he kept getting mad time and time again. And the thing was, is it was it was witty what it, it was it what Utah was doing because they would substitute D linemen, which took longer to get onto yes. the field, and they were milking the clock as a defense. So that's they, not they, against the rules. Yeah, they they were playing by the rules, and they found a a loophole to essentially slow down a warp speed offense. What what Kyle Whittingham, the head coach of Utah, did Saturday Saturday night was genius. It was in this brilliant. game. And Lincoln Riley kept getting mad and mad and yelling at officials and all that stuff, but it was well within the rules. If you're going to make substitutions offensively, you have to allow the defense to uh, to to substitute. And uh, they just kept rotating in defensive linemen, and it took forever th- for them to get in there. But I think when we look at, at Caleb Williams, is the hype that he is getting, and and again, this is a guy that's thrown 23 touchdowns and four interceptions this year. Okay. He's still very, very good. I'm not saying he's not, he's going to be a bust in the NFL, but what I am saying is this love for him as a generational quarterback, as a guy that's going to be the bona fide number one pick, regardless of what happens, I don't see it. And I see a lot of tendencies that I see from other quarterbacks that have gotten into the NFL and struggled because in college, they had all the time in the world to throw. They could outrun everybody they needed to in the open field, linebackers. You're not outrunning linebackers in the NFL. And his lack of performance against good defenses. And yet this is a dude that his dad thinks he can call his shot on which team he's going to go to. And Lincoln Riley wants to hitch hitch to, to Caleb Williams' star and be a package deal in the NFL to wherever Caleb Williams is going. I I think it's all ridiculous. I think it got, I see a quarterback that still has a lot of growth and a dude that we talked about McKenzie and Baco having an elevated opinion of yourself. I think Caleb Williams has an elevated opinion of himself, probably because of the same way the reason Mbako does. He's been pampered his entire life and told how great he is. And I think with Williams, again, elite talent, don't get me wrong, he's going to have to to dig deep here this second half of the season because USC to me feels like a program that is is teetering as far as how this season goes. You could go anywhere from you know barely making bowl contention to winning nine or ten games. It just comes down to what they figure out. Now we've talked at length about how bad their defense is, but what we're seeing the last couple of games, the offense is starting to struggle against really good defenses. And I and I know I made the point on the show talking about. The, the matchup with Notre Dame and, and the defenses that USC had faced, I mean, they were not top-rung defenses that Caleb Williams was taking advantage of. I mean, Nevada's a terrible team. Uh, San Jose State, not very good. I, I think Arizona State may have been the best defense, or Arizona, and they, they were, at the time, leading into the Notre Dame game, and the matchup with the USC were like 41st and 47. So these were not top-25 defenses. And I think we're seeing that play out now, I guess my question moving forward is, is Caleb Williams just a product of being able to light up good teams, but when the moment's big, he can't deliver? I mean, we've seen him struggle with Utah time and again the last two years. Right. That is the, the team. He That is his kryptonite. 
completely different style of play. Tough, hard-nosed team, solid defense. They mid-game shifted, you know, quarterbacks and and then found a way to get the win. I just think we're seeing a guy who and I'm not making this comparison because of off-field stuff. Let me be clear about that. But he reminds me as far as his electric playmaking ability reminds me of Johnny Manziel. Yeah. Manziel was a good player. And Manziel had some success, but like never took his teams to you know bigger heights. They like they were yeah, he won a Heisman and because he put up ridiculous numbers, but then that year after Texas A&M, they never really did anything. No, and, they never got to the playoff or anything. Well, and like back then, I guess we didn't technically have the the playoff, right? I mean, that was BCL, true, right on on the cusp of that era. But that's that's who he reminds me of. Now, again, you don't have the off field stuff, at least that's known with Caleb Williams compared to a Johnny Manziel. So that part's different. But as far as on the field, that's kind of like what I feel like I'm seeing, where it's great and it's exciting in college, and you can do some of this stuff, but you can't do any of that in the NFL. That's what it comes down to for me. CK, the problem with Caleb Williams is the same problem with Lincoln Riley. Too much flash, not enough substance. I will ask you this, Caleb. If you are looking at two quarterbacks on who you would rather take right now in the NFL draft, I'm saying immediately and for their career, would you rather take Caleb Williams or Bo Nix? Because Bo Nix... Just broke the record on Saturday for most starts by a quarterback in college at 54. He has a lot of experience. He has is having an exceptional year with Oregon. Who would you rather have? I'd rather have Caleb Williams. Are you kidding me? I mean, but, I mean, agreed. But I feel like the I feel like the the ceiling is higher for Caleb Williams, but I think the floor is lower. Yeah, but Bo Nix is what he is at this point. We've known what he's been for a couple years now. Now, did he elevate his play once he came to Oregon from Auburn? Yes. And he's become a, a pretty reliable guy. I mean, he was a guy who could go from looking great one game to disappearing the next early on in his career at Auburn. And part of it's that he was thrust into the starting lineup as a freshman. That's that's a big part of it. But I, I just think Bo Nix is who he is. I, is he going to be a first-round pick? No. Unless a team Maybe is reaching into the bottom of the first round. I don't, I don't think so. You I think, think so? you're looking at a second to fourth round guy. Um, Caleb Williams has a lot more potential, but he, here's the biggest thing is he has to find a way to stop trying to extend plays and just make the throw, whether it's throwing it away, running it or throwing it downfield. You can't keep doing these circus like plays and get away with that in the NFL. Hey, here's another text. People want Williams to be the next Mahomes. I see more Josh Allen, which at times has been a huge issue for Buffalo. Yeah, Josh Allen's propensity for turnovers, particularly in the red zone, is is huge. I just would like to see Caleb Williams against a really good defense absolutely torch them. And that's something he's been unable to do in his career. His 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 passing percentage barely above fifty percent against teams that are top 25 in the country in defense. You can beat up on all of the bums you want, the Nevadas, the Cals, the whatevers, the Stanfords. But what are you doing against the top defenses? Because while you do have good and bad defenses in the NFL, I mean, they're all really, they're good. They're professional football players, okay? Maybe good players, good defenses. You're not outrunning linebackers in the NFL. You're not sitting back there even against the worst team in the league 
and sitting there for five, six, seven, eight seconds consistently, waiting for things to open up downfield. So we need to see Caleb Williams over the rest of the season start excelling against some of these better teams on their schedule, the better defenses on their schedule. He's still going to be a top pick. He probably still will go number one. But I'm, I'm having a little bit of hesitancy looking at what he's done and more importantly what he hasn't done in college football as thinking he's this slam dunk pick. Yeah, that narrative needs to go away. I don't know who's putting that narrative out there, but it's just simply not true. He is not a can't-miss prospect. Trevor Lawrence was a can't-miss prospect. Andrew Luck was a can't-miss prospect. Peyton Manning was a can't-miss prospect. John Elway was a can't-miss prospect. I think everybody that saw him last year, and even last year he struggled against really good teams, okay? And wins the Heisman, his, he's automatically up there as, oh, amazing. But, but I watch him, and I, I feel like he looks like five, ten other quarterbacks I've seen the last three, four years in college football. And I come back to it, would I rather have Anthony Richardson than Caleb Williams right now? Yes. Would I rather have C.J. Stroud? Yes. Would I even rather have Bryce Young? Probably. Because make no mistake, Caleb, all the talk was Bryce Young and his lack of size. Caleb Williams is listed at 6'1". He's, he's probably closer to six foot. Tops. So we're not talking about a prototypical 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", quarterback here. Okay? So all the hate on Bryce Young about being short, it's not like Caleb Williams is towering over Bryce Young. Okay? So we'll see if Caleb Williams can start putting it together and really put up some eye-popping numbers against teams that are really good defensively because I haven't seen it. 46862, your text line number 46862. Coming up on the other side, we'll kick off hour number two. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. That's who the Colts are, and I think that kind of speaks to the way this season is going to go. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Hour number two here on a Monday, Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney with you. Thanks for being with us. 46862, as always, your text line number. Again, 46862. Just type in CK first. Your questions, comments, rants, whatever you have for us, send them our way. You can also stream us, 1380thefan.com. On the free 1380 The Fan app or your smart speaker, all those are for free. And if you miss anything on hour number one, well, you can always download the podcast. Look for it uh, around 10, 30, 11 o'clock each morning. You can download it for free. Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Again, all for free. This hour on the show, coulda, woulda, shoulda. That sums up the Colts so far in so many games this season. Also, Tom Allen. Is really, really bad at this. We'll get to what he said after the game on Saturday. Will Michigan actually be punished this season for what they've been accused of doing? And we had a fight at a D3 football game and a bear cub going grocery shopping. All that to come. Can't wait. Had a couple texts that came in during the break talking we were talking about uh, Caleb Williams text coming in Richardson over Caleb Williams. No way. Yeah. I, I, if, if next year we're talking about Anthony Richardson, not being able to stay healthy, then I'm with you. I've seen enough from Anthony Richardson to think he's got a career as a good NFL quarterback. I have too. I, I look, staying healthy is something that we've seen 
I mean, Josh Allen had, I think, the same injury his rookie year, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, other than the injuries, what have you seen from Anthony Richardson that you haven't liked? That And that's the biggest thing, right? I mean, yeah. he, the, the biggest criticism outside of the injuries, which I would say not entirely his fault. Has to be smarter for sure, yeah. but... Some of it's just learning to play within the game better, getting more experience, and, and also just bad luck, let's be honest. Um... But I think the biggest criticism going in was always, well, his completion percentage was bad. Well, he's five percentage points higher than he was coming out of college. He's pushing that 60% mark, which is that benchmark you want to hit. And especially for a rookie, I mean, that's not bad. And what we saw his rookie year was enough to me to give me confidence. You give him the entire year next year. You see what happens. Shoot, I'd say you give him the year after that as well. Because I think you'll you'll see him continue to grow, and I feel good about it. I, I mean, I I don't know how you can't feel good about it again outside the injuries, and again, I would say ultimately not his fault. Uh, someone CK maybe Williams is tanking to get on a better NFL team. <laughs> no, no, he's not. No, no. I, I think he's just he's found his limit playing better defenses. Yeah, he's uh. He's showing his limitations, that's for sure. Also, we were talking about Mackenzie Abaco in the first hour. CK, some reports coming out, Mackenzie was afraid to leave Taco Bell, thinking a cop would follow him to where there weren't other people around. He was asking for his parents to come before he got out of the car. Now, that sounds like BS to me. Yeah. Just go home. Just leave. Just leave. I don't buy that at all. Not one bit. Yeah, I, I, I don't like it either. What else we got? What else were we talking about? So, yeah, the, the the Colts. So, Sunday was a coulda, woulda, shoulda game. And we've seen several of these this season. I mean, you have the Rams game where you come all the way back after that dismal first half performance and you lose in overtime. Uh, you have the, the season opener where you play Jacksonville pretty tough. Um, I, I just, I think we're seeing who this team is and they're close, but you know they're not there. In terms of actually competing. Uh, Like we looked at the schedule and we said, okay, a lot of these games are 50-50 games. But at some point you have to win the 50-50 games to be, you know, a team that can contend. Well, I think the Baltimore game was a 50-50 game. Yeah, and they they won that one. But then they've lost (laughs) seemingly most of the rest. I mean, Tennessee game I thought was a 50-50 game. I'm just saying the, the Colts are showing progress. Definitely showing progress. Because they were a bad football team last year. But they still have deficiencies. That secondary is inexperienced. I can't figure out if it's inexperienced, but it has promise or inexperienced and just not good. Like we we saw Kenny Moore make some plays uh, at a a pick taken away. I I thought that was the right call. Didn't have an issue. Julian Blackman at a pick. Like we saw some good. And then we saw some bad, which was the fact that if Juju Brents isn't healthy, which he's been in and out of the lineup all season, they call secondary is bad, plain and simple. If he's playing, they're serviceable. I'm not saying they're great, but they're serviceable. And that's been really the, the biggest thing is just the lack of depth. You have five tight ends, but you don't really have one, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I do think the running game's coming along. And then quarterback play is what it is at this point. We we know that Gardner Minshew is good in a pinch, but not good as a, a primary starter. 
So is there still the opportunity for you know getting say maybe even up to eight wins? I, yes, there is. Is that feel realistic? I would say no. I don't think they're going to suddenly make some giant leap. Like we we did see Michael Pittman Jr. have a big game breakaway speed. He's on breakaway from a secondary in that long touchdown. Shocking. Josh Downs has clearly become the slot guy. But when you have all these toss-up games on the schedule, I mean, there are a couple you should, like, you should win at Carolina, right? I mean, Carolina's I pretty bad. Carolina's going to win at some point. Um, but you have all these toss-up games. Eventually, these losses stack up in these games. Like, you are who you are. And your record says who you are. And right now, you're a below 500 football team. You're, you're not a good football team, but you're not a bad football team. You're showing progress. And I think that's what, why, the, why Colts fans should be happy is, yeah, you're showing progress. You're not showing progress in the way you felt you would. You thought Anthony Richardson would be the guy throughout the course of the season. You would see growth for, from him over 17 games. You're not getting that. You're getting Gardner Minshew. But you're seeing growth. You're seeing Josh Downs break out, which is huge. For this offense, you're seeing Jonathan Taylor return yesterday to form rushing touchdown, 75 yards, had a couple catches as well, 45 yards receiving, and it was an even split with carries Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss each getting 18 carries. I think you're seeing that you have a backup quarterback that can lead you in a pinch, but not long term. And I think you're building something defensively, but you looked at it yesterday and I think it was a glaring omission without Grover Stewart in there. Yes. And that was obvious throughout majority of the game. You still need a dynamic receiver on the outside. You still need somebody to stretch the field and be a weapon as a tight end. I really think the tight end position you mentioned to Caleb with four or five guys is you have nobody there. That's really a game breaker. You have a bunch of average dudes that can catch a ball and, and, and some of them can block but you're not looking at anybody that's going to really be a threat down. Not a modern NFL tight end. Threat. Exactly. You're not looking at that. So there's still upgrades, but you're looking at, okay, the Colts can build around Anthony Richardson. You feel confident in that you want to see next year, him stay healthy, but you're on track with that. You have your running back locked up. You have some semblance of a wide receiver core with downs Pittman Pierce, you'd like to add somebody that can be a number one with that. I think defensively, you're seeing Zaire Franklin emerge, and that's positive. And you're seeing that secondary that needs help, but you're hoping with more playing time that that youth starts maturing. But you see signs of the Indianapolis Colts becoming a playoff team once again. But that's not this year, right? This is still a six seven, if everything goes right, eight win football team. And that's not enough to make the playoffs in the new format with 17 games. Text coming in at four, six, eight, six, two. We know exactly what they are doing. They're competing enough to make the games interesting, but I have no intention on winning these games. They're looking ahead to the draft already. I don't think so. Not based on what you saw yesterday. I mean, they're trying to win games. They're trying to win. I don't think they tried to lose that game late. I, I really don't. You cannot convince me. Nobody's trying to NFL lose games, players okay? are are too competitive. Yeah. They want to keep their jobs to purposely throw games. 
It's just not happening. No, it's it's an absurd argument that I refuse to have on this show because it's just so stupid. You could say that GMs and front offices put teams in position to lose, but nobody's tanking. No, no coaches are trying to lose. No, no players are trying to lose. Okay, but I I would say absolutely the Colts were trying to win yesterday. They almost won yesterday. They found a way to lose it, and maybe that's the most frustrating thing with the Colts with Colts fans is you've seen them win games in which they've executed late. Baltimore in overtime, right? Had to hold off Tennessee. But then you've seen them lose lose games late. Part of that is just the ebbs and flows of the NFL. Also part of that is you're just not quite there yet. You're taking steps, okay? You could say, we're at least we're not the Bears who picked number one last year and you could argue are a worse football team this year. I know they won yesterday, but still you're at least showing progress with Indianapolis. And I think that's what Colts fans, and I think most of them see that. I know it's frustrating after what happened yesterday, especially with how it happened, but I still think you're showing progress going forward. 46862, again, the text line number 46862. Uh, Someone saying the Colts won that game or two egregious officials' mistakes. Uh, the, the, The gate... Uh, negate yeah i think they have a typo here negate stakes that gave cleveland that game um we talked about that correct but yeah we talked about that in the first hour about the two calls i don't think the illegal contact penalty was the wrong call on daryl baker the wrong call was the interference call that was uncatchable i will agree with that And, and to me and i said it in hour number one the third and 10 30 yard pass play to elijah moore that was the play that felt like the the game-changing play to me because that got the Browns even in position to, to make something happen. Like, they don't convert that third down. Cleveland facing a fourth and ten, it feels like it's a completely different ball game. It's tough to... I get it. The calls late were questionable at best, but you just don't put yourself in that position. You don't allow the, the officials, and it goes for every sport, every league, no matter the level, you don't let the officials impact the result of the game. Also, like you could allow reviewing calls, you know, in the final two minutes, and it's not going to change a lot because the league's going to uh, back their officials, right? So, like, for the what, most part, like, what's what's the point? It, it just and games the officials last four and a half hours. Yeah, and and this game lasted basically four hours. It was long. Seriously, I think the Bears game got over, and the Colts were just starting the fourth quarter. That was a fast Bears game, but still. Uh, I had to take the the dog to get groomed, and I was like, "Oh, I wonder what the what the scores of the the late games are." And because the the Bears had gotten over so early, and it was the the Colts game was still going on. It was like three minutes to go. It was like four twenty five. I was like, "Holy crap, this game's taking forever!" But uh, what seventy seven points? I mean, there's a lot of points in this game. It just felt like the Colts let one get away. But as you said, that's kind of their mo. This year, they're, they're, they're good enough to compete. They're not good enough to consistently put teams away. But I know people have an objection and an, and an issue with the two late calls. But when you outgain a team by 150 total yards, you should beat them. Why you lost? Turnover battle. Was the turnovers. You didn't lose because of the officials. You lost because of the turnover. This game isn't close if you don't turn the ball over as much as you did. That's what lost the Colts the game yesterday, not the officials.
Another text coming in. CK Colts blew that game to PJ Walker, not Deshaun Watson. They're just not very good is what it is. That was my point too in the, in the, in the first hour was you lost to PJ Walker who completed less than 50% of his passes. Didn't throw a touchdown pass. You had an offense that, that could run the ball when it needed to in Cleveland. It wasn't even Kareem Hunt. It was Jerome Ford that was able to move the ball when he needed to and just did not make the plays late for the Indianapolis Colts and turn the football over. You cannot turn the football over that much. Coming up on the other side, Tom Allen is really, really bad at this. What he had to say after the game that completely scraps everything he said going into it. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on a Monday. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney with you. Another tough weekend for Tom Allen. No no surprise, really. This season's gone completely off the rails. I think we said it even after, what, the Akron game? It felt like this was a team not winning another game the rest of the way, and if they did, it'd be a surprise. I mean, they're very much staring down 2-10, and 10, again, for the second time in three years. But it wasn't so much what happened on Saturday in the game that raised some major alarm bells with Tom Allen and this Indiana Hoosiers team. It was what happened after and what Tom Allen had to say. So IU falls at homecoming to Rutgers. How many of our listeners went to that game, by the way? We had a lot of tickets tickets we gave away. If anybody's listening that went, let us know. It was a beautiful day down in Bloomington. Absolutely. So if anybody went and is listening right now, let us know how the day was outside of, you know, of course. The loss. The loss. I actually watched... (laughs) The majority of the first half, because I was flipping back and forth between that and Penn State, Ohio State, which was a boring game. Yeah, the, the little I saw okay. of that game was. Right, we'll talk very about boring. that later in the week. Like we were waiting for these marquee Big Ten matchups. That was boring. But anyway, watched IU first half at least, and saw some good things, and then it deteriorated into Rutgers blocking a, a punt for a touchdown, and then it just it just got away from them. But. Tom Allen is is always good for some humor and definitely delivered once again after the game. Yes. So, uh, again, Tom Allen said going into this game that the guy that starts the records game was going to be the guy for the rest of the season. Now, he said that said. last week. Yes. Correct? Yes. Yes. So then what does he say after when someone asks for, for clarification about the quarterback situation, what Tom Allen had to say? He said... Well, I said it was going to be the guy for the rest of the game. We weren't going to rotate them back and forth in the game. Well, that goes completely against what you said the, the prior week as far as what the quarterback situation would be. I, I just, like, does he know what he's doing? Like, well, I get no, people I are going to say does. no. But, <laughs> like, does he, does he know what he's saying here? Because it completely contradicted everything he said leading into the game. He said the quarterback would be the guy for the rest of the season. But he he said after, no, that quarterback would just finish the game. We wouldn't rotate. So he's, he's going back on everything he said going into the game. We thought we were going to have this big, big uh, idea at the, the quarterback spot moving forward. And instead, it's just more of the same. Like, it, why is he so incapable? And also, why is he the one having all this? I get that he's the head coach. So ultimately, it's the final say for him. But it almost seems like he has too much say over the quarterback spot because, well, we're seeing coordinators come and go over the years and it wouldn't surprise me if that had to do 
uh, that had to be a big part of that. How about he get involved with a defense that allowed 276 rushing yards on Saturday? A Rutgers team that won the game while throwing for 39 yards. That's high school-esque. You lose to a team, give up 30 points to a team that completed five passes for 39 yards. I don't think, and watching that first half, I thought Brendan Soresby did a solid job. 126 yards and a touchdown. He's completing around 50% of his passes. Only completed 15 of 31 on Saturday. You know what helps that? More reps. And being able to work out timing and adjustments and all that stuff with your receivers. But instead, we're playing these musical chairs of quarterbacks with Taven Jackson and Brendan Sorsby. And then you have, of course, the uh, the potential return of a quarterback that got hurt from last year. So, I don't know. It's, it's, it's so frustrating because it's almost like intentional. It's almost like he's just doing it to try and get fired. It's like... He's like George Costanza in Seinfeld. He's trying to get fired. And the Yankees won't fire him. Stom Allen's like, I don't want to work here anymore. I just want to take my money and leave. I'm just going to make bad decision after bad decision and have no recourse but to fire me. That's what it feels like right now for Tom Allen. It just gets more and more absurd. And you have Brendan Sorsby, who, decent game, nearly 50 yards rushing in a touchdown. Like, he can do more on the ground than Taven Jackson can do on the ground. And and that's a part of his game. But ultimately, you have a Rutgers team. It's been a surprise this year. I mean, they're bowl eligible. And you have IU, that, which is winless in conference play. You, you look back at what IU's done since 2020, Justin. They have two Big Ten wins. This game last year. And then the same they've season, gone two right? and ten. Yeah. They've gone 2-10, and 10, where they went 0 for in the Big Ten in 21. And remember, they were preseason top 25 that year. What a time to be alive. 4-8 and eight last year with the, the two Big Ten wins. And then they're 2-5 they're and five this year. You're, you have a, a rotation at quarterback, a rotation at offensive coordinator with one fired. I mean, it's just been an absolute mess in Bloomington. I don't think it's getting any better because they're at Penn State coming up this Saturday. And Penn State will will surely take advantage of that opportunity to rough up the Hoosiers after coming off a loss to Ohio State. And, I mean, Michigan State at home, at Illinois, at Purdue, I mean, games they'll at least have a shot in, but no. It's not I, 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 I don't see IU winning a game the rest of the way. And you look at, you look at the offense for Indiana, they have some players. Like Jalen Lucas, a solid player. Yeah, he was a freshman Dynamic All-America. Player. Cam Camper, Donovan McCulley. I mean, those are two really solid wide receivers. They just can't do anything. Jalen Lucas, this year, has 247 yards rushing. That's it. First off, he's touching the ball a lot more than he is. 55 touches in the rushing game for 247 yards over the course of the season. Has almost 30 receptions. Okay, I can get behind that. But I just feel like IU should be better, and I think offensively, and I think the lack of consistency at quarterback has just absolutely killed him. And for some reason, Tom Allen just wants to continue this circus on who's going to play quarterback. And I'm sure throughout this week, he'll play games and be coy. Like Penn state even cares who's going to be quarterback. It's going to be hilarious when he's like, I'm not naming a starting quarterback going into the Penn state. Yeah, game. It's going to keep him off balance. Blah, blah, blah. I think Brendan Sorsby has done enough to prove that he should be the quarterback 
long term, at least for the rest of the season. See what Brendan Soresby can do for the next five, six games. And then you have at least a benchmark to go off of going into next season. I don't think he's been absolutely terrible to say he needs benched. I think Taven Jackson has been terrible at times to where he's needed benched. But I think when you look at Brendan Sorsby, just give him the opportunity. Find find out. Find out what you have in one quarterback as opposed to just playing musical chairs and see if that offense can gel around one quarterback. Because right now it has nothing. And it's going to continue to be that way because, well, the players don't know who they're preparing for. We talked about that last week. Players don't even know, you know, pre-drive who they're preparing for at QB. I mean, that's a problem. And it's just going to continue to be a problem until Tom Allen is gone. I I don't know what else to say. I I mean, I I think after what we saw on Saturday and and the questions, you know, does does Tom Allen survive the rest of the season? I'm like, yeah, because the IU administration, they don't care enough to do anything about it. Not now. I mean, no, they're not going to fire him in season, but after the season, I really think that it's going to happen. I really do. And and I I seriously I say it tongue in cheek, but it's it almost seems like he's trying to get fired. He's trying to get fired. He's George Costanza. IU athletic department is the New York Yankees, and Tom Allen just can't get fired. That seems to be the way it's been trending. Coming up on the other side, Michigan routed their in-state rival. They continued to roll through the schedule, but after news came out of their sign stealing and in-person scouting scandal. Will anything happen? We know the NCAA probably won't do anything, but will the Big Ten? We'll discuss that next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Happy Monday, Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney, and you. You can be a part of the show. Text line at 46862. Again, 46862. You can also reach us on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Caleb Kinney, 1380. The show handle, uh, my handle is Caleb Hatch. Justin's is J. Kenny OPS and the station 1380 The Fan. So another way you can get in touch with us throughout the show. So Michigan with another dominant performance as they routed their rival. Michigan State 49 to nothing Saturday night in East Lansing. Uh, for Michigan State, it wasn't just what happened on the field that was bad. It was the fact that they had a trivia question, if you missed this, a trivia question that showed up on the, the Jumbotron saying... Uh, I don't even know what the... Was it the trivia question, like where Hitler was from? Yes, and the answer was Austria. But like, how does that even get on there? <laughs> I don't even know. Like There's now, screenshots this was, this out was there, in the, like, the pregame, right? I mean, pre-game. it was yeah, well it's before kickoff. Supposed to be keeping you entertained in your seat before the game starts. There's just a giant picture of Hitler on the scoreboard. Um, and it's, it comes it's like a third party that does it. Like, I, I'm not, I'm really buying that. Like, so is there a third, they're, they're running the scoreboard from up in the booth and they're a third party or you're just putting the stuff up. I don't know. I think there's going to be more fallout than that, but, um, wasn't ideal for, uh, East Lansing, Michigan state on Saturday. Yeah. Even before the game started. No, it just no. got worse from there. It, it certainly got worse. Um, yeah, I. Anytime Hitler is the answer to a trivia question or the question of a trivia question, it probably should be rethought. 
about where you're presenting it, especially at a sporting event. Okay. Uh, probably not the place you want to have Hitler trivia. Just saying. No, but with Michigan, it's, you get into what happened last week, the sign stealing scandal. And my whole take on this was, okay, so sign stealing is legal. First of all, but the way they were getting the signs by doing in-person scouting, which was banned about 25, 30 years ago. That's the part that's really at issue here. Um, you know the NCAA is going to move too slow to, to to do anything about this, right? I mean, it could take them five years, and then they reach a decision, and we just all laugh because it's it's pointless at that point. But the Big Ten, they're in position. I mean, they're the ones who notified Michigan State about this. They're the ones who can make a play and make an impact. If If there's much smoke to this, as we've been led to believe, I mean, at what point... Does this impact Michigan in terms of the college football playoff and forfeiting games and do you not being really able to think participate in the postseason? No, the, do you really think the Big Ten is going to punish Michigan and thereby punish themselves if it took Michigan out of the out of the college football? There is no way that the Big Ten does that because there's money involved. There's absolutely no way. A, it's a stupid rule. I know it's illegal. I know you're not supposed to do it. So they were scouting their opponents and stealing signs. Big deal. But no, there's absolutely no way the Big Ten punishes them in that respect. I agree that it's a dumb rule, but it is the rule. <laughs> I mean, we, we saw this back in the day. I mean, Kelvin Sampson sent a bunch of texts and he got punished and got, a, I thought, a severe punishment for breaking rule that I thought was kind of dumb. And you look back down, you laugh at it because, I mean, yeah, unlimited texts, I mean, it's right. just... That's how we operate as a society, and that's how it's been for 10-plus years. The Big Ten is so obsessed with money that they're adding West Coast schools to the conference, which is even more radical than telling Michigan they cannot participate in the postseason or something like that. There's no way. They're that, they're that obsessed with money, and Michigan right now, with a huge asterisk, looks like the best team in the Big Ten. I know they haven't played anybody, but they're dominating everybody they play. Eventually, they're going to have to play Penn State and Ohio State. That said, I don't think Ohio's, Penn State looks very good, but that game will be in Happy Valley in a couple weeks. But there is no way that the Big Ten would do that. None. You don't think there's a shot of this at all? What? That, that the Big Ten would say you're not competing in the playoff? If the Big Ten would, would cause them to have to forfeit. No games no, and no. then they'd be eliminated no. like because of no because there's tens of millions of dollars at stake for the big 10 if michigan makes the college football playoff and we've seen what the lengths that the big 10 will go for money adding west coast schools to the conference to expand the league basically for money so there's there's no way that happens there's well no if way. you can't beat them which teams aren't beating michigan this year uh join them why not everyone else just start doing this and force I would either think. the NCAA or the Big Ten, at least in this instance, to do something about it? I would say get rid of the stupid rule because it's dumb. Uh, the rule is is only, let's be honest, the rule is so that big programs who have unlimited resources like a Michigan or Ohio State or Penn State don't have to you know, have that decided advantage over teams that you know won't be paying 
for people to do this, like the IUs, the Rutgers, etc., uh, who aren't going to spend the money on things like that. That's why it was done. I get it at the time. I still think it's a dumb rule, but I get why they have it. Uh, yeah, but no, no Michigan's not going to be punished whatsoever for this, at least in that respect. I'm sure they'll get something. So is everyone going to say if Michigan goes on to the college football playoff and if they win the national championship, that it's tainted and it's not legit. Like that's all we're going to hear about. They can say that, but they still get the trophy and they're still the national champions. I think Michigan haters will say that. I'm sure Ohio state fans would say that if that happened, but no, Michigan will be legit national champions. It's it's not like they're, it's not like it's an egregious violation. All right. So they scouted teams that you're not supposed to be able to do that. Okay. Big deal. They're still dominating everybody. I don't think Michigan is as good as people think because they haven't played anybody. But if they continue to win, they're in the national or the, they're in the college football playoff. Big Ten's not going to do anything. Yeah. Also, you're not getting accused of this if you're losing, right? <laughs> well, you'd have a problem if you were doing this and you were still losing games. A huge problem. <laughs> but Michigan is not losing games. In fact, they've win- they've won every game by at least 24 points which I know that's what's excited Michigan fans and you get Purdue. I think they're off this week Then you get Purdue. Then you go to Michigan or then you go to Penn state. I mean, at least the final three games, Penn state, Maryland, both on the road. And then you host Ohio state. At yeah. At least, least they're going to be somebody. challenged <laughs> because those are, those are literally their three most difficult games of the season. And they happen in successive weeks and three of the best four teams they've played all season. The other being Rutgers who they beat 31, seven. And it's still, I know, I know Rutgers is six and two. It's still Rutgers. Yes. But no, Michigan's not getting punished for this. It'll be a slap on the wrist. It'll be a fine. It'll be something. Uh, they'll have to fire a couple people. They already got rid of one of them. But no, not, it'll be nothing, nothing crazy. 46862, your text line number. If you have thoughts on the Michigan scandal, let us know. Coming up on the other side, a brawl in Division Three involving an area team and a Bear Cup. Uh, This is not related to the brawl, mind you. Uh, Going shopping. We'll have both those stories for you next. Here on Caleb and Kenny in the morning as we wrap it up on a Monday. 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning. Final time here on a Monday. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kenny with you. So what's the year today for the rejoins? Uh, I'm all over the place. I'm I'm at like the FGH of the... the uh, I want to say calendar of the the archive catalog catalog there it is catalog That's the library the, the library yeah so I just hung around I didn't know the if FGHs. there was a, a theme today or not no there's no theme I mean the theme is FGH of the bands basically <laughs> that's the theme <laughs> all right uh, so two stories to get to first one massive brawl at the end of Manchester yes that Manchester in Bluffton. On Saturday, so Manchester 0-7, they they lost 50-12 to in this one. This was very late in the game. You had a punt, and then you had a, a player for Manchester just come over and deck a guy for Bluffton, like after the whistle, like after ab- the play. The, the, the whistle had been caught, like, and you watch the replay. That have, obviously, they had to have had issues before because the play doesn't even involve those two being close together. And the player just comes out of nowhere, not only knocks him down, but then kicks him while he's down and then tries to fight the entire Bluffton team, throwing haymakers, throwing punches. 
And then it degenerated into chaos. There's a minute and a half left in the game, and Manchester was getting rolled 50 to 12. But man, just a, a ugly, ugly scene uh, with Manchester on Saturday. Not good. And Not again, ideal. 0 and 7 in Coach Van Hunt's first season. Uh, Bluffton improved to 2 and 5 with the homecoming win. So this is at homecoming for Bluffton. You get a blowout win at homecoming, and it ends with a fight. Um, not ideal. No. Um, yeah, it was homecoming, wasn't it? Manchester is 0-7 this year. It's not been a good season for the Spartans. Um, the player in question, which it looked like number 88, is not on the roster. Or at least no longer on the roster. Just say that. Yeah. Uh, that's no surprise with that one. Meanwhile, a bear cub went grocery shopping in Alaska. Uh, an Alaska grocery store had a bear cub wander in, peruse the produce aisle. <laughs> this was at the trading union IGA in Petersburg. Uh, Petersburg police called on reports of a bear inside the store. So this is Petersburg, Alaska. As you yes. Said. Okay. Uh, officers were chasing the cub through the produce section. They were able to corner the cub in the shopping cart storage area, use a dog catching pole to escort the bear out of the store and back into the back of a patrol vehicle. Now, he (laughs) was unfortunately euthanized. Yeah. And the uh, reasoning is, says, euthanized the bear for a variety of factors. Bear was small and emaciated for this time of year. It did not have any measure of fat that would have sustained it through the winter. It was also abandoned for unknown reasons. Therefore, did not have any way to significantly acquire resources. It was trying to acquire resources. It was in the produce aisle of the of the grocery store. So this poor little cub, he may look emaciated, but he was coming in to get some food, and uh, they kicked him out with prejudice. By the way, yeah, unfortunately. So not all of our bear stories have great endings. No, they unfortunately do not. Not a great ending for the show either. That got yeah, sad. Pick a, yeah, we went <laughs> uh, went south pretty quick there. But um, no, it was an action-packed show. We had a lot to address, as we usually do on Mondays. Absolutely. For Justin Kinney, I'm Caleb Hatch. Dan Patrick coming up next. The Herd with Colin Cowherd at noon. Indiana Sports Beat with Jim Coyle from 3 to 4. And the Sports Rush with Brett Rump from 4 to 6. All here today on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.